chapter 37. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to the 37th Psalm as we have our message today talking about commitment. Notice the title of the message, Chicken or the Pig? We'll explain that a bit later, but maybe it gives you grab, grab your curiosity for just a moment. We'll get to that later. But today we do go talk about commitment, and we're referring to chapter 37. A lot of passages we could refer to as we have a topical conversation about commitment. Before we get into all that, though, let's remember where we were at last week. Last Sunday, we turned to the Old Testament text in 2 Chronicles and read about the third king of Judah named Asa. Now, remember that Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and found favor, and Asa then removed the detestable idols and turned really the country Judah back to God. As a result, he was given, Asa was, victory over a massive Ethiopian army that way outnumbered him over two to one. We learned that Asa's army that he had gathered numbered 300,000 spearmen with large shields, and additionally he had 280,000 archers from the tribe of Benjamin. But that was nothing in comparison to the size of the Ethiopian army, which well numbered over a million. And not only did they have a million men capable and ready for battle, they also had 300 chariots, which was like modern-day tanks, that was capable for the war and the battle as well. So Asa's fighting then massive odds, heavily outnumbered over two to one. An impossible victory if Asa should engage in battle with the Ethiopians. But Asa recognized in this, remember we saw when he turned to the Lord in 2 Chronicles 14.11 and had a powerful prayer. He acknowledged the power of God, and he said, O Lord, our God, we rely on you. In essence, we took that reliance that Asa then had upon the Lord. Instead, he was ready to just submit or surrender to the will of the Lord and the outcome. We notice how God heard Asa's prayer and gave him the victory. But the key to Asa in his victory he had over this large Ethiopian army was the fact that he fully submitted and surrendered to God. He completely relied upon the Lord. He surrendered to the Lord and to his outcome. That was surrender. But today we then maybe change course a little bit, but not much. Meaning that today's message is similar to last week's message of surrender, waving the white flag, but we use a different word. We use the word commitment. Now, you might be thinking, well, why then would you have a similar message to last week but change the wording from surrender to commitment? And that's a good question. And I have two reasons. First of all is that as Christians, as believers, we need to do both. We need to surrender, but we also need to fully commit. And secondly, as I was thinking about this last week, I noticed that, well, in about a month, I'm going to turn 60. I'll be 60 years of age about a month, which makes my mother really old, okay? And she can't hardly believe she's going to have a child who's 60 years of age. But as I turn 60, preparing for that, I'm noticing how time really is going by rapidly, really quick. And as you get older, you recognize it. I mean, honestly, that's not the first time thinking about my age going to be next month at 60 and recognizing that time's going by pretty quickly. I've noticed this before. I mean, probably all of you noticed before, unless you're the age of 21 or under, you probably don't recognize it at all. Because it's hard then for teenagers, and particularly for children, to recognize how fast time goes by. But it indeed goes by rather quickly. And the more you mature, not get older, 
but the more you mature, you seem to recognize how quickly time passes. And then it's quite possible then, with the rush of days and the years passing, that we can maybe fail to make a commitment, or that we somehow have to have a message to tell us we need to recommit. So if that's the message, if that's where we're at, then the message today is thinking about how we maybe need to renew our commitment. We had the message of surrender, now we have commitment. So with that then, a question comes to mind as we start the message and topical conversation about commitment. The question is this. What comes to your mind when you hear the word commitment? Because commitment in modern day is a word that sometimes is kind of tossed around rather casually like a rag doll, which loses its meaning and purpose. I mean, in fact, one automobile manufacturer says they are committed to excellence. Professional athletes, business people, executives are all committed to their occupation. Scripture even tells us in Ephesians 5.25 that as husbands, we are to be committed, meaning we are to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's a good thing to have commitment. In fact, some people would argue it's good to have commitment over anything. But I would argue that I'm not so sure about that. I mean, think about this. Is it, is it good that back in a time when Hitler was coming to dominance, was it good to be committed to Hitler and his cause? I'm not so sure about that. Or what about the time whenever the, the crowd was gathering and the Pharisees were taking charge and Pontius Pilate had our Lord, and they were yelling, crucify. Was it good to be committed to the cause of the Pharisees? So, yeah, it's good to have commitment, but commitment towards the right thing. So the point then is that if anything that we have desire to commit to, shouldn't it be Jesus Christ? And the obvious answer is yes, of course. Making a commitment to Jesus should be the very top of anything on the list to be committed to. And it happens to be then, as we turn to Psalm 37, we find the word commitment being used here, and we can use it then for message to help us renew or be committed to the Lord. So stand with me this morning as we do to simply honor the reading of the word. Again, we're in Psalms chapter 37. Psalm 37, verse 1 through 6 is what we're going to be reading. Not a lengthy reading at all, but here's what the Lord tells us as we read his word. Psalm 37, verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass, and the wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land to befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Well, Father, Lord, we do come before you this morning, having read your word, and now praying, Lord, that your spirit will lead and guide and direct, that the words said today, Lord, be words that you want to be expressed here this morning to help us see how today we need to maybe make a new commitment. Not, not saying we're not committed to you, Lord, but maybe today we need to make a new commitment to you in our lives because we live very busy lives. And things can happen. So then, Lord, with this then message, let us hear it and apply it and make that commitment to you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, note with only six verses from the 37th Psalm, the key verse this morning to focus on commitment is verse 5. Again, verse 5 said, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. So obviously, with the emphasis on commitment this morning, perhaps we need to start with message time by defining commitment, and we will do so. But before we do that, let's learn a little bit more about the psalm. We're in Psalms chapter 37. There's a heading in my Bible that reads, He will not forsake his saints. It also includes a superscription, which says, It's a psalm of David, which is not overly helpful because David was known to have written many different psalms. But a closer look into the contextual setting of the particular psalm by David reveals that this psalm of David seems to build upon the previous one, obviously Psalm 36 which was one involving human wickedness and divine goodness. I mean, here in chapter 37, David, as we have read a portion of it, instructed the righteous not to be disturbed over the prosperity of the wicked who rejected God. The divine justice will be granted in time. So then what David does here then is he begins to help us understand how we should not be jealous of the prosperity of the wicked is he uses several imperatives, imperative verbs, to make sure we understand what action we should take. Notice in verse 1, he first says, fret not. Don't be worried. Fear not about the evil that be cast down because they're going to fade away like the grass and wither like the green herb. So we should fret not and fear not. Secondly, he has the imperative to trust. Trust in the Lord continually and do good in verse 3. He also adds in a paraphrase when he says, delight, delight in the Lord, and he shall bless you with the desires of your heart. And then finally, the fourth imperative is that where we're focusing upon commit, commit your way to the Lord. So four imperatives begin what we find here in chapter 37, this psalm by David. He says, fret not, trust, delight, and commit. And in all this, then, we should, be, we should understand and use when we begin to focus, when we have life, begin to focus on the prosperity of the wicked and the unrighteous. And, and even when we see that and become jealous of that, and even envious of their parents' success, he's saying to make sure we practice these four imperatives. Fret not, trust in the Lord, delight, and commit to him. Use these four imperatives to help us when we have some jealousy over the prosperity or the seeming success of those who are unrighteous or the wicked. Back when I was in chicken business working in Vicksburg, Mississippi, I had a co-worker named Shantae. And Shantae would come to me. Her father actually was a Baptist preacher, but she couldn't quite get past the fact that she felt it was just really unfair that someone could be living a life rebelling against God in every way and just completely rejected his son while simultaneously having much success in their life. I mean, only then to have them as they live their life to come to know Christ towards the end. She didn't think that was fair. I mean, in that particular sense, she was a bit envious, if you will, of their lifestyle and their success they seemed to be having. So I shared with her how pathetic their life really was. Their life was really just one engaging into worldly affairs and sexual promiscuity, living life as it happens, and it's very shallow. It's a life void of meaning and purpose. 
And I share with her, we have no reason to be envious of that type of lifestyle. Now, we contrast that particular lifestyle to life that is someone who's accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, as we have accepted Christ, it doesn't mean then that we're going to have a life without issues and peaks and valleys and pain. We're certainly going to have that, as you well know. But it does mean that when we're living a life of richness, which really is our own success, that we have full meaning and purpose. And I personally, and hope you would too, would much rather be living a life of meaning and purpose rather than one engaging into worldly entertainment that has ultimately no purpose or meaning. Like the prodigal son in Luke 15. If you know the story, you know the prodigal son, the younger son, in fact, went to his father and demanded to receive his inheritance. He took his inheritance, as you may know, and went into the world and, and spent all kinds of different items and things that absolutely meant nothing to gain. And then ultimately he had nothing. He desired then to eat from what the pigs were eating and felt that it would be good to maybe go back to his father. And his father welcomed him when he went back. The older brother, of course, got upset. But notice how the prodigal son had to learn a lesson. He ultimately had no purpose to mean it. I mean, because some of you are saying that someone who has purpose and meaning, if we recognize in our life that we truly have meaning and purpose rather than haphazardly taking life as it happens, I want to tell you it means we've shown some commitment to Jesus Christ. We have actually demonstrated some commitment to the Lord. When we have purpose and meaning, it begins to fall in place. We have commitment. He begins to give us meaning and purpose as we live our lives for him. Now that takes, takes us back perhaps to the earlier question about then what is commitment? Because if we're, if we're actually committed to the Lord and it gives us meaning and purpose, then what is commitment after all? So allow me to share you then with two definitions for commitment. The first would be this. A pledge or promise. Simply an obligation. The example you see is you have a commitment in your life, hopefully, to pay your bills on time. I know maybe it always work out, but it's a commitment you need to make to make sure all the bills are taken care of. There's a pledge, a promise, an obligation. The second in is an engagement or an involvement. The example is there, they have a sincere commitment to the religion. But notice how both definitions can apply to our lives. Look at them again. It's a pledge or promise. It's an engagement or an involvement. It's interesting how those particular definitions can actually apply to our relationship with Jesus. Because as it comes to commitment, we should be asking ourselves, am I committed to Jesus? I mean, maybe I once was, but am I still committed to Christ? And we can ask ourselves to know if we are these questions. Am I fulfilling my promise to live my life as a positive witness for him and his glory? Am I engaged with him, continuing to seek his will rather than mine? And thirdly, am I involved with Jesus on a daily basis? Or is it just on Sundays in which I'm committed? Now think about it. What type of commitment 
is it to our Lord. They were engaged with him, only witnessing for him, only involved, only picking up the Bible on Sunday. What kind of commitment does it show Jesus Christ if we're only saying that I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to read your word, I'm going to apply these things, but only on Sunday. Now, perhaps if you would actually take that mindset to your employer, if you're still employed, how would they react? Only one day a week. They might actually show you the door. So then why would we think that we could have some sort of arrangement with our Lord and Savior on one day a week? I mean, shouldn't Jesus, the, the, the fact that he sacrificed, he committed himself to us, shouldn't he receive our total, complete commitment? I mean, of course he should. But do we do that? Are we truly, wholly, completely committed to Jesus? You know, we begin to process these questions. It's, it's kind of funny that we have to, or actually that I say truly or totally committed. Because what other type of commitment is there? I mean, when you boil down the world or word of commitment, it's really as simple as either you are or you are not. I mean, there's no such thing, really, by definition, of a partial commitment. For example, when the pilot, if you begin to fly, when the pilot of a giant airliner is speeding on the runway, there's a certain point where he has to decide to remain on the ground. Because when he crosses that line, he's committed to the air or the plane crashes. The pilot cannot change his mind when the plane is two-thirds down the runway, he has to be committed. So partially committed, there's really no commitment at all. It's all or nothing when it comes to commitment. Which then brings us to the title of the message today. Again, it's commitment, the chicken or the pig. And let me explain. Perhaps you heard the story. If not, let me elaborate. A chicken and a pig are walking past the church building on a particular Sunday. And they notice the Sunday morning message on the building, on, on, the, on the sign outside, the informational sign, says, Today, the message is about helping the poor. They walk a little further, and chicken suddenly comes up with a brilliant idea. He says, Hey, brother pig, why don't we all feed the poor by giving them a nice breakfast of ham and eggs? The pig thought about it for a moment. He said, that's all right for you to say that because it's only a contribution for you, but for me, it's a total commitment. So you begin to process that, you see how the chicken only has to contribute the eggs for the breakfast, but the pig has to give his entire life with a ham. Chicken or the pig. So which are we then? Are we the chicken only giving a contribution when it's convenient, or are we more like the pig, totally committed to the cause? Now, I don't know what you may think about the illustration to make the point, but recognize that Jesus was never partially committed. He was just plain and simple, committed to God the Father, and lived his life for the sole purpose and will of God. 
and then took our place upon the cross. He was never partially committed, completely, wholly committed to the Lord in the cause. He took our place, demonstrating commitment for all of us. So then with that thought, we dig a little deeper now and examine our lives. And we too then reflect upon commitment. I mean, as noted earlier, we define commitment as a promise, an obligation, an engagement or involvement. And while that sounds like simple definitions, we need to complicate it just a little bit. We, or we tend to in our lives to complicate it. I mean, that every person, each person, it means, commitment seems to mean something a little different for each person. Or at least upon the circumstance. Now, if it's beginning to be confusing in what I'm saying, let me give you some examples to explain it, because every principle really remains the same, even though it may be different by person. So let me explain. To a boxer, to a person who boxes for a living, commitment is getting off the mat one more time after you've been knocked down. To the marathoner who likes to run, is running the extra 10 miles, even though when your strength is gone. It's commitment to finish the race. To the soldier fighting the battle, it's going over the hill not knowing what's waiting on the other side with reckless abandon to self. Yet totally committed to the cause, his fellow soldier, and also to his country. To the missionary, it's actually saying goodbye to your loved ones and to your comfort for life better for others committed to the gospel. But to notice to the Christian, it's all that and much more. Because everyone who in life is watching you, is depending on you to get back off the mat again when you've been knocked down. They depend on you to run the extra 10 miles. They expect you to display your courage when you're faced with the unknown. And they expect you to die for the betterment of others. It's not easy living a life as a Christian, particularly a committed Christian. I mean, one a committed Christian is defined as completely surrendered their life to Jesus. I mean, when they do, they know that verse 6 tells us they can bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. A committed, surrendered Christian to the Lord. He'll ultimately bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Okay, well, it's just a bunch of words. What does that mean? It means that a committed Christian that turns over their, to the Lord their entire whole life, including all your desires, all your problems, all your anxieties, and you're completely, faithfully trusting Him. And you're willing then to, to speak whatever it is, His will. You're ready to receive that. And it means that He will act. He will do for you whatever action Whatever is necessary, he will help you. If you were to commit life to Christ, result in life in which Jesus never abandons you. It's just like what was written at the beginning of the particular psalm we're reading, at least in my Bible, where he says he will not forsake his saints. You're a saint. As a committed Christian is a saint, he will not forsake you. He will be there with you. He will help you. He'll be by your side even carrying you through the roughest days that you can imagine. 
And I think we have experienced that here. In our family, we have experienced committed Christians with God helping you through circumstances. Whether it was Tom, Nora, Nick had some difficulty, of course. Chris and Katina have been having difficulty with different times in their lives. Bill, Juanita, Kimberly. Mary is having difficulty now. I mean, I could actually look upon you and list every one of your names because we've all had some sort of difficult days and have felt the presence of the Lord and we had that particular challenge or circumstance. Now, that doesn't mean that we wouldn't need some encouragement along the way, but we're fortunate to have a family here that actually helped us in times with that encouragement that we needed because we are the family. And families help each other through any event, any tragedy, any circumstance. So we have each other by our side. Because we're a family, we help each other through it. But the biggest thing about our family is the fact that we still have Jesus. I mean, who does not want Jesus by beside them? In our corner. As our advocate. Every one of us, obviously, want Jesus by our side. Helping us through every situation. I mean, 1 John 2, 1 says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Jesus is with us. John alludes to the fact that he speaks to the Father in our defense. He pleads our case before the Father. We need to face it, we have sin. And because we have sin, there's no one. We're all family, but we can't help each other with our sin. Only Jesus can actually cleanse us. And give us a righteousness. And because that is the truth, we need to hear and we need to ask, have you truly, fully committed to the one, to Jesus, that has committed his life for you? Have you truly committed to Christ? It seems to be that for whatever reason, our commitment seems to wane as we grow, as we, we accept Christ, we are excited, we, we're living for him. But it seems, though, as life begins to happen, it almost gets in the way. At times, it seems our commitment begins to wane, our faith. And, and when that begins to happen, then that's when we need a message like this to remind us of how we need to stay the course and finish the race and maybe even recommit to the one who's committed to us. I mean, I understand. I've lived it. I live it each and every day. Life gets hard. It gets in the way. And when we want to recommit or commit totally to the Lord, sometimes something happens and you just forget about it. The day goes on. So maybe, maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to make ourselves a note. Then we place it on the mirror. When we come into the bathroom or where we go first thing in the morning, it's a coffee pot, whatever it is. When you first come to it, make a note that says there, a happy day for me today is going to start with my commitment to the Lord. Put a note where you can see it early in the morning. A happy day for me today is going to be my renewed commitment to Jesus. I don't know exactly what situation you're facing each and every day. I mean, I am aware of some things. In fact, I know what a difficult week it's been for a lot of us. Juanita had her surgery. Tom had a, a, a procedure. Jessica had the baby with some difficulty. Tyler was sick this week. Nick had a hernia. I mean, a lot of things happened this week. 
I mean, all these were met with challenges during the week. And, and there's all of us then probably has some circumstances happening during this week. We even have our prayer list. Notice which is two-thirds of it is full of people who have cancer. And others then involve young children like Amelia, who's nine years old, and teenagers like Carly, still struggling. So when those things begin to happen and those circumstances unfold, life gets hard and sometimes commitment begins to wane. But I also recognize then the power of commitment. Because without, listen, without a commitment to Jesus Christ, when those things happen in life, it leaves you in a tailspin. Things go in a downward spiral quickly. If you're not totally committed to Jesus Christ, when those things begin to hit you and they hit you hard, it leaves you in a downward spiral and sometimes you can't ever get out of it. So it's good to make sure we have commitment to the Lord. And if we're waning on a commitment this morning, it's certainly understandable, but renew your commitment. Because every day, every day has a challenge for every one of us. Everyone. In, in some fashion was faced with some sort of circumstance last week. But notice that every challenge, every event, every tragedy, everything that happens should be answered with a renewed commitment to the Lord because he will be with you through it all to the very end. So it's not an overly complicated message by any means. And she's telling us this morning it's time for us to commit or renew our commitment to the one that first was committed to us, to Jesus. He has shown his commitment to us certainly, right? So we need to make sure that we show our commitment to him. So as the title suggested, or as a cute little humorous illustration from the chicken and the pig, which are you ready to be? The chicken merely going about your life, making a casual contribution at times, or are you ready to be the pig? Or you're ready to make that whole total commitment to the Lord and to his cause. If your commitment somehow, some way, has been challenged and has been suffering, today is the day to recommit and to renew your commitment to the Lord. Father, Lord, we thank you for the message today, a simple message, Lord, which tells us first and foremost, like last week, that we do need to surrender. But today, Lord, adds to it that we should commit our lives to you. As we noted during the message time, Lord, we desire, perhaps, to have a commitment to you. And we commit our lives to you when we accept you as Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. But when life begins to happen, sometimes this gets challenging. Sometimes it gets difficult. So the message today, Lord, just reminds us then to look upon ourselves, look ourselves into the mirror and say, are we committed to the Lord? Or are we somehow casually going through our Christian life. I pray for all of us today to recognize that you committed yourself to us. You took our place. And then because you committed, today we commit to you. 
We commit ourselves today, Lord, as individuals and certainly as a church family together. We commit to you today, Lord. We thank you for your commitment to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.